Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message. Have you guys heard that the Lord is moving in the church? There's, uh, there's revivals that have been popping up. It's, it's like the awakening is happening. There's revivals that have been popping up in college campuses all over America. And my little brother is a pastor in Texas. Just last week, he drove to five different revivals. He just drove to witness them and to see what was going on. And I was talking with him on Friday and just asking him, what did you notice at all these revivals? And, and there are three things that he noticed at all three of these revivals. The first thing is the presence of God. The second thing was the power of God. And the third thing, and this is what we have trouble with, the people of God. If it weren't for the people of God, we would all want the power of God and the presence of God, right? We want more and more of the presence of God. But the problem is there's like people stacked like cordwood, people everywhere, people all over the place. Here's the thing. The Lord dwells in the presence of his people. You cannot have a move of God without the people of God. That's where he moves. You can't have a great awakening without people that need to be awakened, right? In fact, the Lord always shows up where troubled people are, which means if I want to receive the power and the presence and the anointing of God, I also have to be willing to hang, hang out with flawed mortals. If I want to receive the power and the presence of God, I have to be able, I have to be willing to hang out with messed up ministers. In messed up ministries... Because that's where God shows up in power. And it's the only place that God shows up in power until we get to heaven. But that's what I have a problem with. Because I get offended with people. People hurt my feelings. People do weird stuff. And I don't like it. And when weird stuff happens, I want to go somewhere where there's less weird things happening. But I want the presence of God. And for some reason, God shows up where weird people are. Because that's the only kind there are. So today we're going to talk about how do I receive the good gifts of God from flawed leaders? How do I receive God's goodness through flawed ministry? How do I receive the good things God has for me in the midst of jacked up humanity? Because he only pours his presence and his power in earthen vessels. You know what that means? That means you're going to see the power and the presence of God in crackpots. Are you guys, are, 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 I'm serious. I felt like today as we were worshiping, oh, okay, we're pushing against, we're pushing against the spirit already. We're already pushing against the spirit because we're going to deal with the spirit of offense today. And if you, if we're going to deal with the spirit of offense, the spirit of offense is going to be right here going, nope. But this is the point. I'll tell you the punchline before I even preach the message. The punchline is this. You can receive the anointing of God or you can receive the offense. You can't have both. And I want the anointing. I've discovered over the years I finally discovered that I want the anointing more than I want to be offended. Are you ready to receive something? Can we pray? Lord Jesus Christ, we need your help. If you need God's help because sometimes people are offensive, would you just turn your hands up to the Lord and surrender to him? If you're never offended by people, then you're probably not breathing. Lord Jesus, we need your help. 
Lord, we get hurt. We get wounded. People are flawed. All around us, we're surrounded by flawed people, and we get hurt a lot. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with being hurt, but God, we need your help. How do we deal with it? Father, how do we deal with offense? So, so right now, we want to submit our hearts to you. In the name of Jesus, we, we submit our hearts to you. Do what you want to do, God. Lord, do you want to change our minds? Change them. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would wipe out every spirit of deafness and hardness of heart and offense in this room so that we can receive exactly and every good thing that you have for us. I pray right now to every person who's in this room who's been appointed to be here today that you would speak truth to our hearts. And that you would show us what you want us to see, Lord. Lord, we submit our eyes to it. We submit our hearts to it. We submit our ears. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help me because I'd rather be talking about a thousand other things than this right now in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So um, Jennifer and I, we'd been in ministry for five years, and the Lord called us to go to Christ for the Nations. Christ for the Nations is a ministry school. Didn't make any sense to me why I was in full-time ministry and the Lord turned around and asked us to drop my job with two little kids and go back to ministry school. But as I was there and I was asking God, what on earth am I doing here? God said, I want you to look around and identify any mantle that you feel like you need to be able to serve me. And if you ask for it, I'll give it to you. Do you know what a mantle is? A mantle, the word mantle in Hebrew means coat or robe. It represents the authority and the anointing and the glory and the power of a prophet. And when you receive a mantle, you're receiving the authority that that previous person carried. You're receiving the anointing that that previous person carried. And I felt like I had a calling. I felt like I had a calling to minister to God and to minister to his people. And so I started looking around and going, God, that person, somehow they minister in your presence. And I feel like I need that. And I'd ask him for it. God, that person, when they pray, I feel it in my guts. Lord, I need that anointing. And I'd ask him for it. The Lord made me a mantle hunter. I started going around and seeing and asking God for power to be able to fulfill his calling in my life, it's the only type of covetousness that's encouraged in the Bible is to covet more of the presence of God. But here's something I noticed. If I was offended with someone, I couldn't see their anointing. And there was one particular person at this school that to this day I regret that I couldn't see the power of God inside of them because I was offended with their behavior. And that was one of the mantles that I needed most of any of the mantles in that place. I'll tell you about it in just a little while. But we're going to talk about mantle passing and mantle receiving. Are you guys ready for this? I firmly believe four people are ready. The rest of you guys, <laughs> buckle your seatbelts. I firmly believe, now this, is, this, this may cause offense in your heart, e even me just saying it, okay? I firmly believe that the Lord will only ever put you under a ministry that he has something for you to receive from. I firmly believe that the Lord will only put me under spiritual authority or in the sphere of spiritual authority that he has something for me to receive from. That means if you're here today, the Lord has something of his spirit he wants to give you. 
If you're here today and you can hear my voice, which I'm assuming you can, there's something through me, this flawed vessel that the Lord wants to deliver to you, and he gives you an option of whether or not you're going to receive it. And if we look back over the course of our lives, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to begin doing this. If you look back over the course of your life, I want the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to us. When were times that I had the opportunity to receive some, something from someone that I couldn't because I was too deeply hurt? And I refuse to stop being deeply hurt. Oh. If you're here today, the Lord has a, a double handful of anointing for you. And he wants to offer it up. And he's giving you the option. Do you want this? Or do you want to hold on to the hurt? But you can't have both. So uh, uh, you guys are sure quiet. Oh, my gosh. Nobody, listen, nobody wants to talk about this. So in order to illustrate this, I'm going to talk about one of the most powerful prophets in the Bible. The Bible says that Elijah, uh, Elijah was probably next to Jesus Christ, the single most powerful person in the entire Bible. And Elijah has one of the best mantle passing stories in the entire Bible as well. So think about this. We talked about him the other day. You remember just a few weeks ago, we talked about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Elijah is the superhero who called fire down from heaven. And after he called fire down from heaven, he slaughtered 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. This dude was a superhero. He could outrun chariots. He's faster than a speeding bullet. Oh, what are you guys doing? I didn't, what, you, you're blowing my joke. <laughs> Go back to the other one. Did I ask for that? No. I'm just going to start over. <laughs> Actually, it's great. We're already there. Look, this guy could control the weather. He prays, there's no rain. He prays again, there's rain like curtains flooding into the nation. This guy didn't just call down fire one time. He called down fire three separate times. He carried power so casually, it was like it was nothing for him to split rivers and walk through them. That was Tuesday for Elijah. So when you think of Elijah, you might be thinking about this old man in a robe. But when I think of Elijah, now put up the Hercules picture. This is what I think of when I think of Elijah. That's Elijah. Elijah is a lion of a man. Elijah is a powerful man. The Bible says he walked around in like camel hair outfits with leather belts. The dude was the Marlboro man. He was bad to the bone. He was this kind of guy. He was not a guy you wanted to mess with. He was a superhero, if there was ever a superhero in the Bible. Now, the reason we got the Thor picture is because he's even more power, powerful than Hercules because the dude can call fire down from heaven whenever he wants to. And now you can show him Thor. When I imagine Elijah, this is what I think of. Don't think of this crotchety old guy with a bathrobe. You need to understand that people quaked in their boots when Elijah showed up because he was a superhero. Hell trembled at the presence of Elijah because hell knew that he was going to put demon prophets to the sword. The dude single-handedly killed a thousand people. 
He was, and he couldn't die. They couldn't kill him. Can you imagine how much courage you would have if you knew they can't kill me? I've been promised I won't die. He was gathered up from the earth in a chariot and horses of fire and went directly alive into heaven. Who else did that ever happen to? The dude is like Thor. He's a superhero. But he was also superhuman. The Bible doesn't hide the fact that Elijah was a flawed person. He dealt with the same things that you and I dealt with. Listen, just because you're a powerful man of God, just because you're a powerful woman of God, doesn't mean that you don't also have powerful emotions. That you don't also have powerful flaws. Here's the problem. Elijah was a superhero, but he was so superhuman that without even meaning to be offensive, he was offensive. Sometimes it's hard to walk around with that much power and authority and not bump people. And this dude was bumping people all over the place. He had deep emotions. You know, you know, Elijah had temper tantrums. Do you know Elijah had pity parties? Elijah went to the Lord and he said, God, they're trying to kill all your prophets and I'm the only one left. And God's like, that's not true. You know, that's not true. <laughs> I've got a hundred prophets in a cave. You know, I've got a hundred prophets in a cave. You're not the only one. You're just having a pity party right now. Elijah had a pity party. This dude was invincible and he could call fire down from heaven. And the dude had a pity party. If, if that can happen to Elijah... I want to tell you right now, it could happen to me. And it could happen to you. Now, you remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about this powerful prophet and how he had, he had a showdown with the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And he won the showdown. All day long, they cried out to their demonic gods. They yelled at the top of their lungs. Nothing happened. Elijah dug a moat around the offering, dumped water on it over and over and over again, said, God, if you're the real God, send down fire. Whoosh, fire came down. Then he goes, all right, Israel, gather up those demonic prophets. We're going to kill them all. He kills all of the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And then he has one of the worst days of his life immediately after that. Have you ever noticed that sometimes after your greatest victories, you get nailed the hardest? by discouragement. You can get nailed the hardest by frustrations. Why? Because he just spent three years ministering in a drought. He just poured himself out for three years straight. He just poured everything out in order to combat the enemies of God, the armies of darkness. And um, honestly, even a superhero gets tired. If you've never been in ministry, ministry will make you tired. It'll make you so tired that you may say something that later you regret saying. It'll make you so tired that you may treat somebody in a way that later you regret treating them that way. It'll make you so tired that, that you'll do things you wish you hadn't done, and you may even sin. Preachers don't sin. What? There's no sin in the church. Listen, can I, can I let everybody off the hook? There's only broken people in this room right now. That's the only kind that need a healer, including this one, and including that one right there. Right? We need Jesus. And the likelihood is if you hang around long enough, 
like exactly one service, you're going to get offended. <laughs> because he's going to preach about poop. Because that's what human beings roll around in all the time. So let's read this. This is 1 Kings 19. It says, um, this is exactly right after this great victory. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. Verse 2, so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. In other words, by tomorrow this time, you're dead. And the guy who just killed 800 demonic prophets ran away. What the heck? The Bible says Elijah was afraid. What? Why didn't he just go, Jezebel! fire on you. Why didn't he just, you know what? That's what he was supposed to do. That's his mission. His mission was to take down Ahab and Jezebel. You know what he should have done? He should have stood up and said, Ahab, and said, Ahab, fire on you. Jezebel, fire on you. Booge. All right, we're done with that. What's next? That's what he should have done. But you know what happened? He's a human being and he was worn out and he got intimidated. He became afraid because she had a spirit of intimidation because she's a freaking witch. And this superhero showed human frailty and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. This guy, he just wanders by himself into the wilderness, came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Is it possible that a man of God could become so depressed could become so discouraged that he even has suicidal thoughts? Is that possible? This is the greatest prophet in the Bible. And he's dealing with very human thoughts. He prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. I want to tell you something. If you hang around with people who are anointed, eventually you're going to see that part of them that's not anointed. It's going to happen. You're going to see if, if Elijah got this discouraged, you're going, to have a, you're going to have a season in your life that you get this discouraged. And let me just ask you to please have grace because if you're hanging out in a ministry, you're going to see people in that ministry who are this discouraged, people who are this afraid, people who don't know what to do. And you know what he could have done? He could have said, God, I'm afraid, help me. And God would have helped him. He said, God, I'm, I, I feel like I want to die. And, and God would have helped him. But what he did instead is he ran away. And for some people, it's okay to run away, but when you're a general in God's armies, you can't abandon your post. 
And so the Bible says that he went and he laid down and he wanted to die and God sent an angel and the angel gave him bread and water, woke him up and said, eat something, you're exhausted. So he ate this angel bread and this angel water and he falls back asleep again. The angel wakes him back up and said, eat, the journey's too long for you. He wakes up and he eats this bread and he drinks this water and he gets up and he runs for 40 days to Mount Horeb. This dude can outrun a chariot. I don't even know how far you can run in 40 days, but he ran 40 days on the strength of that one meal. Do you know what? God helped him run away. If you said in your mind that you're going to run away from the mission of God, he might even help you do it. But look what happens in verse 9. When he shows up, he shows up at the cave at Mount Horeb. And you remember the story of Elijah coming to the mouth of the cave. And there's a, there's a huge earthquake. And there's, mount, there's rocks falling off the mountain. And the wind comes, this, it's enormous supernatural wind. and starts blowing the rocks like a tornado all over the place. And the fire of God comes and the rocks are being split in half. And the Bible says the Lord wasn't in the wind and he wasn't in the earthquake and he wasn't in the fire. But then he showed up with a still small voice, a little whisper. And and this is what he said. Elijah is, is so frustrated and he's so discouraged. He runs away and he's running to God and he's expecting God to say, did that, did that ugly lady scare you? Did that mean lady threaten you? Come here, baby. Come here, baby. But he's a general of God. He's not a little baby. He's the most powerful man of God in the whole country. And so this is what the Lord says to him in verse 9. The word of the Lord came to, came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> when I run away from my frustrations, what I want to hear from the Lord is, oh, baby, did she scare you? Did that lady scare you? Did she say mean stuff to you? You come here, I'll take care of you. You know what God says to a general when they run away? He says, what are you doing here? What are you doing running away from your mission? Are you assigned to this church? What are you doing running out of this church? Are you assigned to this ministry? What are you doing running out of this ministry? Are you assigned to a family? What are you doing running out of that family? What are you doing? That's your assignment. That's your mission. That's your post. You can't abandon your post. Verse 15, then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came. Uh, nobody wants to hear that message. Go back and fix what you messed up. Go back the same way you came. I just ran 40 miles. I had angel bread. I had angel food cake. That's how I got here. And God says, I'm not giving you any more angel food cake. You just go and fix what you just did. Go back. Go back the way you came. Oh. Travel to the wilderness of Damascus and watch this. When you arrive there, anoint, he says, three people, Hazael to be the king of Aram. Then anoint Yehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Eberlita, whatever that says, to replace you as my prophet. God says this, anoint three people. What's he saying? Just because you abandon your post doesn't mean the purpose goes away. It still has to be done. And if you decide you're not going to do it, God's still going to get it done. But he has assigned you to it because you're specifically prepared and anointed for it. And if you're not going to do it, it's going to take three people to replace you. When Elijah fled, God said, all right, you've got to go anoint three people to do what I specifically prepared you to do. And one of those was his replacement as the prophet. Oh. 
this dude, he's Thor, he's Hercules, he's a superhero. He's got to walk back all the way back through the desert. And I just imagine him walking back through the desert that whole way. And he's, I mean, he was already dealing with stuff. And instead of asking God for help, he ran away. And now he's going back. God's helping him, by the way. He's giving him people to help him. But he's already frustrated and discouraged. I can't believe I did that. How did I get scared of that lady? I can't. Why on earth did I run from her? And he gets to walk all the way back through the desert wondering what his replacement is like. Can you imagine? If, if, if I'm walking back and I'm like Superman, I'm walking back and I'm going, I'll, I'll bet he has better hair than me. I'll bet, he, I'll bet he's better looking than I am. Oh my gosh. If, I mean, I, Elijah is God's man of power for the hour. This guy's got to be, he's got to be the most powerful person on earth if he's going to replace Elijah. No one's ever been as powerful as Elijah. I call down fire from heaven three times. I'll bet this guy can call down twice as much fire as me. I'll, I'll bet he runs twice as fast as chariots. I'll, I'll, I'll bet this guy can, he didn't even have to pray seven times before it rains. He can just pray and then just rain just comes just like that for this guy. That's probably, he has to walk back the entire way wondering who he's about to anoint to replace him because he's about to pass on his mantle. He's about to pass on his anointing. Okay, you with me? Now, if you were Superman, if you were Thor, and you were going to find your replacement and give them your mantle and anointing, you would expect somebody who is even superer than you, right? I want to show you, I want to show you when he's walking over this hill, after all these long, uh, arduous miles, he comes over the hill, and this is what he sees. Ready? Da, da, da. Can you imagine Thor walking over the hill? He's like, who's my replacement going to be? He's probably got a bigger hammer than me. He probably can shoot fire out of even more things than his eyes. He's probably more amazinger than I am. He comes over the hill and he sees, bum, 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 farmer man. Watch this. This is 1 Kings 19, 19 through 20. It says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. You know who God appointed to take Elijah's place? A farmer. Yes, this is just a farmer. You know, you know what God is saying in that? I don't need Superman. I just need available man. I just need willing man. I just need faithful man. You've probably heard this before. God doesn't need your ability. He needs your availability. He's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. You, you, you can be utterly average and normal, and the anointing of God can make you more powerful than the most powerful person in the kingdom of God. Can you imagine how frustrating that was for Elijah? It says, Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Let me show you what this looks like, okay? I, I, need, my, uh, I need my lovely assistant, Vanna White. Here's Vanna. All right. Now, Vanna is going to be Elisha, and he's going to be plowing, okay? By the way, you may have heard Elisha and Elijah pronounced different ways. Whatever way you've uh, heard them pronounced is wrong. So, and the way I'm saying it is also wrong, but I just call them Elijah. They're actually 
Eliyah and Elisha. That's how they're pronounced, but we're calling them Elijah and Elisha, okay? So Elijah's coming over the hill, and Elisha is plowing. Just come over here, plow for me, all right? He's, he's plowing. We see Elijah coming over the hill, and he sees, the Bible says, this bald-headed farmer, a totally average, pushing a plow. And Elijah's like, seriously? You're replacing me with him? That guy for real? And this is what I think happened. I think Elijah got offended because this is what happened next. He takes his mantle off and Elisha plow, Elisha, Elisha's plowing and he walks up to him and he does this and he walks on. He keeps going. He doesn't stop. The Bible had told him to uh, 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 anoint Elisha. Does he do it? He doesn't do it. He walks by and he throws his garment over him and he keeps walking. And Elisha says, wait, let me go kiss my mother and father goodbye. And he goes, do whatever you want. What have I done to you? That's how he responds. Guys, Elijah is ticked. Elijah is offended because his expectations have not been met. Anytime I deify an expectation, God makes it his mission to dethrone it. A lot of times we're offended because of our expectations. And Elisha doesn't get offended. Elisha refuses to get offended. In fact, you know what he does? He makes sure there's no way he can go back to his old life and he follows after Elijah. Here, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Vanna. Everybody. This is what the Bible says, verse 9. Uh, where, 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 where am I? Verse 21, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, and he gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. If we're going to have revival, if we're going to have a great awakening, we need some Elishas who decide, I'm refusing to be offended by that. That guy just threw his jacket over me and kept walking. He didn't show me any compassion. He didn't show me any honor. He didn't lay his hands on me. He didn't anoint me. All he did is throw his jacket over me and keep walking. But I refuse to be, I refuse to be offended because I want that anointing. And he went back and he burned his plow and he burned his oxen and he fed it to his people because he wanted to make sure that there wasn't any way in the following years that he could go back to his old life. If we want a great awakening, somebody's got to decide, I'm going to make sure I'm not going back to my old life. If you want to follow Jesus Christ, you got to burn your plows. If you want to follow Jesus Christ, you got to slaughter your oxen and you got to decide this is the direction I'm going no matter what happens. Elisha faithfully serves Elijah. Did you know that Elisha calls Elijah father? But there's no evidence in the whole Bible that Elijah ever one time calls Elisha son. You know what he calls him? servant. Can you imagine that? I mean, if it were me, if I, 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 I'm calling this guy father. I, I want a father. I want a spiritual father. And he's calling me servant. That hurts. There's reason to be offended. That hurts. Some of you have reason to be offended. You've been hurt. It's a legitimate hurt. Listen, Elisha served Elijah for years. 
He gave Elijah his youth. He gave him the best days of his life. He cooked his meals and he brought them to him. He prepared his clothes for him. He acted as scribe. He gathered up his animals. If he was going to go somewhere, Elisha took care of the donkey. And he was never once called son. He was always only called servant. And he knew that God had commanded Elijah to anoint him as the next prophet. He wasn't called next prophet. He wasn't called disciple. He wasn't called trainee. He was called servant. And every time he brought that meal to his master, I wonder if he thought, I wonder if today's the day he's going to lay his hands on me. I wonder if today's the day he's going to anoint me like God told him to. And you know what? That day never came. You know it's a test, right? You guys remember the story I told you just a a few moments ago about Elijah being taken up into heaven. Uh, Elijah is one of the only men in the Bible who never died. And the day that he was going to be taken up into heaven, God kept calling him from one city to the next. And every time God called him to a city, he turned around to Elisha and he said, you stay here. God's calling me over there. And Elisha says, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. Elijah keeps trying to get rid of Elisha. And Elisha keeps saying, I will not leave you. Have you ever felt like someone was being deliberately offensive just to get rid of you? Are you trying to shake me off your tail? It's like he's trying to get rid of him. He will not leave him. This is in 2 Kings 2, chapter 7. It says, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak And he rolled it up, and he struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Have have you ever seen such a casual display of power? There's not even any indication that the Jordan needed to be split. I don't even know if it was... was, uh, if it was the, the rainy season, it may, they could have walked across the Jordan. Who knows? But he's like, I don't want to get my feet wet. And it opens up. This dude is so powerful. Splitting the Jordan is Tuesday for him. It's a powerful man. It says, when they had crossed, Elisha says, Elijah says to Elisha, this is so funny to me. Elijah says to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Uh, Well, here's a suggestion. How about doing what God told you to do? Because God told you to anoint me the next prophet. How about we go back to that part? Well, you're supposed to lay hands on me, and you're supposed to anoint me, and you're you're supposed to proclaim the name of God over me, and I'm supposed to get the power. Remember that part? How about we do that? This is so funny to me. Is there anything that I can do for you? Like, what is he expecting him to say? Yeah, um, I've got, you know, my my prophet baseball cards, and I was wondering if you could sign yours. (laughs) Like, what is he expecting Elijah to say? (laughs) Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken up? And this is what Elisha says. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You know what he didn't say? He He didn't say, let me have a double portion of your power. 
He didn't say, let me have a double portion of your fame. You know what Elisha was hungry for after all those years of serving this man, all those opportunities for offense. Elisha was still hungry for the presence and the anointing and the mantle of God. Elisha still, more than anything else, wanted, craved, longed for the presence of the living God. That word portion means mouthful. He's hungry for a double mouthful. He wants the flavor of God all over him. And the thing he sees in Elijah is not a man who can be rough and hard-edged and offensive. The thing he sees in Elijah is a man who's tasted the Lord, is a man who has the presence of God inside of him. And instead of being offended, he says, I want that times two. That's a good prayer. Now watch Elijah's response. Ah, you've asked a difficult thing. I don't know if I can do that for you. See, I'm pretty powerful. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but I can do some pretty cool stuff. Do you see the water part just a second ago? Not everybody can do that. See, the fire, I call fire down. Not, not everybody can do that. I don't know. You're asking to be twice as cool as me? Forget about it. This is so funny to me. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. And then he puts a condition on it. He says, yet if you see me when I'm taken up from you, it will be yours. Otherwise it will not. What? Why'd you put a condition on this? What? This is what God told you to do. This is what the Lord commanded you to do. This used to really frustrate me because I'm like, why are you putting a condition on something that God commanded you to do for him? God commanded you to anoint him. This is why. Because unless you see it, you can't receive it. And if if you're offended by the prophet, you can't see the anointing of the prophet and you can't receive the mantle of the prophet. If you're offended by a ministry, you can't see the anointing of the ministry and you can't receive the anointing of the ministry. You have to see it in order to receive it. So what Elijah is saying is this is the test. Have you been too offended to see it? If when I'm taken up, you see it, then you can receive it. Oh, that's a different thing altogether. Verse 11 says this. They were walking along, talking together. Suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and he cried out, my father, my father, I see it. The chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garments and he tore them. Mourned. You know why? He lost a father. The first thing in his heart wasn't, ooh, I get the anointing. The first thing in his heart was, I lost a father. I mourn. I love him. Even though he's hard. Even though he can be difficult. I love him and I mourn him. Now, this is so funny to me. This whole story just cracks me up. Because the Bible says after this that Elisha picked up the mantle that had fallen from Elijah. Now you gotta have, you gotta get this in your head. Remember, Elijah was commanded to anoint him the next prophet. He never did it, never laid his hands on him, never prayed, never anointed him. 
never passed on what he was told to pass on. But this is what happens. It's like, this is what's going on in my mind. It's like the chariots and the horsemen come and they, they come down, they pick him up. And you know, uh, uh, Gabriel is, is, Wow, he's, he's riding the horses and he's got the chariot and he comes and, and he picks up Elijah and they take off. Woo! And Elijah's like, Rogers, this is awesome! Gabriel, I can see my house! You know, he's taking off. And Gabriel's beside him and this is, this is Elijah. my granddaddy's coat remember this is Elijah he's he, he's wearing his mantle and he's going up in the in the chariot of fire and he's got Gabriel the angel the archangel right beside him this is awesome and I can just imagine Gabriel looking over and going and elbowing him and Elijah looking over and Gabriel going And then Elijah pays attention and he hears far down below, my father, my father, (laughs) the chariots and the horsemen of heaven. And Elijah goes, oh yeah, yeah. I almost forgot. He reaches over the side of the chariot and goes, and here's Elisha down below. (laughs) And this mantle goes, Really? Like seriously? After all this time? <laughs> because look, what's this what the Bible says? <laughs> the Bible says Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back. Now this is this is the test right here. This is the moment when you and I are tested. This is the moment of truth because there's the mantle. There's the double portion right there. It's available. And I have a decision to make. Am I going to be offended with that man or am I going to receive that mantle? Am I going to be offended with that ministry or am I going to receive that mantle? Because if you want a double portion, it's going to take both hands. And you can't embrace a double portion and embrace an offense at the same time. I'm not saying you don't have reason to be offended. I'm just saying, is that what you want most? Do you want to be offended more than you want that mantle? In a split second, Elisha had to make a decision. Do I want to be offended with that man that I served for all these years and never got a thank you? Or am I going to pick up that mantle? And this is what he does. And he goes over to the same river that his master had just split and crossed. And he takes that mantle and he gets down. And he goes, where's the God of Elijah now? And he whacks that river. And that river goes and splits. Elijah's last miracle was Elisha's first miracle because he picked up the mantle. Guys, do you hear me? Do you hear what I'm saying? 
What if we're in the last times? What if we're in the last days? What if we're at the beginning of the, of the, of the, of the greatest awakening in the history of America? What if there are mantles laying all over the ground? What if this place has anointing dripping off the walls because of the years of anointing and service and mantles that have been in this house? And what if we look at the people who served and our hearts are hurt because of what they did and we leave them on the ground? Elijah never laid his hands on Elisha. You don't have to have your Elijah lay hands on you. Elijah never anointed Elisha. You don't have to have your Elijah anoint you. All you have to do is be willing to let go of that offense and see the anointing and say, God, I want that. The hunger that that man has, I want twice that. The hunger that that woman has, I want twice that. presence that's in that building. I want twice that, God, because I'm not satisfied with even that amount because I've tasted and seen that you're good, and I'm willing to throw everything aside and burn every plow and slaughter every ox. I'm willing to let go of every offense because God is better to me than that. Do you know that even Jesus Christ had to face this decision? Jesus Christ was sent by his own father to a cross. His assignment on earth was to die. And at any moment, he could have decided that he was going to abandon his post. And you and I would not have access to heaven right now. You and I would not have access to forgiveness right now. It was God's plan that he would suffer. It was God's plan that his son would be crucified, that his son would die so that you and I can be forgiven for our sins. And it was the only way. There had to be a perfect sacrifice. And there was only one person who could do it, the son of God, Jesus Christ. Only one person had the anointing, had the life, had the heart. Only one could do it. But can you imagine? It's one thing to conceive a thing. It's another thing to watch it. Can you imagine being the father, watching the centurion strip the flesh off your son's back? Can you imagine the father watching the centurion strip his clothes off of him and hang him naked and humiliate him and mock him? Can you imagine the father watching the centurions beat his son nearly to death? hammer nails into his hands he had to suffer and he had to die but you didn't have to enjoy it you didn't have to relish your job so much you didn't have to be such a sadist you didn't have to grind it in like that you didn't have to do that and and listen this is what i'm i'm imagining in my heart as jesus is hanging there in the cross there's a conflict between the father and the son and that conflict is are we going to get offended right now because jesus is hanging there and the sun begins to go dark Jesus is hanging there and the earth begins to shake and this is what i imagine what i imagine is the father god looking down and going he had to die but you didn't have to like it he had to suffer but you didn't have to enjoy it so much and the father god holding in his heart 
the decision, am I going to rescue my son from this or am I going to let them continue? Because they don't deserve this. And Jesus himself hanging on the cross going, am I going to call down heavens, uh, angels from heaven and get off of this cross? Or am I going to keep allowing these people who hate my guts to do this to me? And there was a moment when Jesus hanging there, I'm convinced, saw the Father God and the fire in his eyes and that decision on the edge. And Jesus said something marvelous. He said, wait, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. And in that moment, Jesus had a decision to make. Am I going to embrace this offense or am I going to embrace that mantle? Am I going to embrace this offense or am I going to embrace my anointing? You know what Christ means in Jesus Christ? Christ means the anointed one. And it was in that moment that Jesus said, I'm going to drop the offense and I'm going to take the anointing because I want to save the world more than I want to be offended. And it was in that moment when the Father God said, I forgive them because of what you've done, I forgive them. And he decided, I'm not going to embrace this offense. I'm going to embrace the anointing. My family, my kids, this mantle, I'm going to be a savior God. Even Jesus Christ had to make this decision. Why on earth wouldn't you and I have to make it? Are you following me today? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. This is the bottom line. You and I, we, we get what we want. want to stay offended, I can. It's it's my option. But if I want an anointing, I've got to let go of it. Forgiveness means to give over. Many of you have reason to be offended. I'm not telling you to stick around with an abusive leader. I'm not telling you to stick around with an abusive pastor. I'm not telling you to stick around in an abusive ministry. But you're not going to find one that's not offensive. And you're not going to make it through without getting hurt. And I just want to say I'm so sorry. I'm sorry on behalf of the church. I'm sorry that you've been hurt. On behalf of, of pastors, I'm sorry that we hurt you. I know that we did. I'm be- On behalf of Christianity, if you've been hurt by Christians, I know you've been hurt by Christians. I was hurt by Christians. I'm so sorry. You didn't deserve that. But today I'm asking that we clear the slate because if we're going to be the church Jesus wants us to be, the people that the world needs us to be, then we need the mantles of our Elijah's. And we need our double portions. And that means we've got to decide that we're going to be a people that release our offenses. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us right now?
What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.